Well, top of the morning to you. It is our key market drivers call for Tuesday, the 25th of April. Uh, as always, contact info first. We'd love to hear from you, blah, blah, blah. Let's get after it here. Um, I got we've got a few things going on here that are kind of moving markets. I guess I have to be honest to start with outside of wheat, which will Scott will talk a good bit more about. Really did to see a lot of price movements in uh, the, the grains and oil seed space. Wheat was the big mover. That move was lower. Uh, everything else was, as we'll show you, pretty well parked last week. Uh, we, we struggled with that first bullet there on planting progress. Now, to be clear, as we'll show you, we are still ahead of the five-year average, uh, made some decent progress last week, but there are a couple ominous signs here on the horizon. Uh, we got another week of what looks like some colder than normal temperatures that Paige will talk about in a bit. That ought to slow things up. Uh, just what the doctor didn't order, we have some more snow in the northern plains. We have, we'll show you the snowfall maps again, but uh, we had getting better on the slide last week. Uh, I think I might have forgot to change the better to worse, but we'll show you the pictures and clearly show that we're getting snow in places we don't need snow. And as I mentioned earlier, the temperatures aren't warming up. So again, I don't want to certainly alarm, sound the alarm bells just yet because we are ahead of schedule, but uh, we'll show you that picture as we as the slides unfold here today. Uh, I think one of the probably the bigger reason for wheat being down that Scott will talk about is finally got some color in Kansas um, on the on the weather maps. Finally got some uh, rain predicted, which is a good thing. So, and then as also we have a Black Sea Grain Initiative Fund. Um, probably fun is uh, not the right word. Probably a bit of irony there. More of a soap opera update. Would that be more accurate, Scott? Yeah. As the world turns. And why don't you just why don't you just take us into that here? Well, you know, I, I I think I said it last week and maybe even the week before, we literally get something about the Black Sea Grain Initiative daily. Um, this is, goes back into that category from Reuters that, you know, some flunky has to write a story about, you know, Black Sea Grain Initiative each and every day. And the latest one uh, kind of over the weekend was that um, uh, – the, the former president, Medvedev, Medvedev said yeah. that three times fast. That's easy for you to say. Um, and he was out, and I'm not exactly sure why someone stuck a microphone in his face, but he said if the G7 goes through with their latest plan, the G7 has basically said we are going to ban all exports to Russia. And he said, well, if they go through with that, Russia will then back out of the deal immediately. Now, I don't know if he has the authority to say that, but but certainly that's what was said, and that's what was kind of uh, intimated from a couple of other spots. Um, he also said if this happens, then Russia would also cease their exports to back to the G7 countries. So we'll see. Um, one of the other things, I, I guess, that... that uh, maybe means a little more is that Lavrov, Foreign Minister Lavrov, was actually going to be in New York City this week going to the UN, going to meet with the Secretary General. And I don't know what those two guys are going to talk about, but they're supposedly going to talk about the Black Sea Green Initiative. Um, we'll see. Uh, it does not seem surprisingly to me, does not seem to care. No, no. And that, and that because is that Go because ahead. the market's just getting to the spot where it's just all words? I mean, 
you know, one day we come in and, you know, Putin says this and Medvedev says this, and then the UN says, I mean, it's just like, there's just kind of words getting thrown back and forth, but have we just kind of gotten numbed all this? And it's like, okay, call us when something happens. Exactly. A little bit of the little boy who cried wolf sort of syndrome going. Yeah. And, and, and in the meantime, Nate, you make a good point. Call us when something goes on. We're worrying about over here, our conditions and our winter wheat conditions nationally, that number stinks, right? It's, it's, uh, it's tied with the second worst, or I think it's actually tied with the worst ever back in 1989. Now it's a lot better when you split out the soft red winter wheat states versus the hard red winter wheat states. But um, yeah, I, I think our markets uh, uh, d don't really care so much about that. Call us when something happens. Uh, we we kind of in Kansas City bumped back up against that uh, upper limit of the recent price range up around the $9 range. And we've kind of we didn't quite get all the way there, but we kind of bumped our head on that and fell back down last week. We're down. Yeah, 38 cents or whatever. Yeah. So as you can see there, we've also got a WASD coming up, the May WASD, a bit more of an important WASD, but we got another week or two in front of us to start getting a better handle on what the trade thinks of that. That'll be actually after a couple of days after two calls from today. So yeah, yeah, we got a little bit of time. That's a, that's a Thursday. I'm yeah, sure. we have a little bit of time on that one. So let's start unfolding a little bit the uh, the planting picture. I'll show you in a minute. We are still ahead of, of normal planting progress on corn and beans, falling behind a little bit further on spring wheat, as Scott will talk about. But but here's kind of part of the story. Um, I told you last week that we had this big warm up of soil temperatures, which was the case. Um, you don't often see those back up very quick. This is, I think, a testament to just how much cold air and how far below normal temperatures have been. The air temperatures have been, and you can see, uh, Nate, what were you saying? The entire state of Minnesota here is now uh, back in the 30s. Yeah, um, yeah. The, the soil temp here where I live, is, I think this morning I looked, it was 33 degrees, the county reported. So um, that is, for, for anybody who's been paying attention the last few weeks, that's too cold for corn and soybeans to germinate. Yeah, uh, 55 degrees soil temperatures to germinate corn. Um, I think 50 or thereabouts to germinate beans, spring wheat a lot colder, but still, <clears throat> that's not a good situation. When you look at snow cover, we showed you the good news last week was that we went from this at the beginning of April to this for last week's call. My goodness, we had a lot of snow melt, um, but it'd be damned if it didn't snow again. And so we are still fighting the same thing that we've been fighting. Now, again, corn prices, didn't really move last week, which I guess surprised me a little bit. Um, I think that's maybe because of some of the early progress we're having in some of the bigger producing states, but uh, this uh, remains a bit of a threat. One thing you could say is that it's not as deep, right? It's only two to yeah. four inches, let's say, there in, in Minnesota. But I would say this, though, that, that is true. That is a fair statement. If you combined that with a nice, toasty, warm forecast coming at us, I would say not a problem. I think Paige is going to show you a lot of blue, which I know you hate. Yeah, I'm um, not good. I've got my vest on right now. So Yeah, so at any rate, that's that's a bit of that story. Get into the crops. You can see corn didn't do nothing last week. It was down a measly three cents. Uh, I think that when you look at it, uh, a little bit of humor down in the bullish and bearish, that second bullish on both sides, uh, on the bearish side, 84% uh, of North Dakota crop moisture is either adequate or surplus. Yay, we got crop moisture. 
Uh, on the bullish side, 84% uh, is adequate or surplus. Uh, and some of that is still sitting on top of the ground, which is going to make things hard to plant. So that's why we've got that on both sides there. I think the big reason, I, I think maybe the push and pull of this is why corn didn't do anything. I think the the upward pressure on corn might be this, you know, I would say way less than perfect planting window that's opening up here because of Mother Nature. But in the other side, exports just remain dismal. And I'm not sure dismal is an overstatement. Uh, exports just are not good. And so I think the market is also still torn between that. And, you know, we do have good moisture in the ground. If it warms up, we still have time to plant corn. But that's kind of the push and pull of things um, when you get to the corn market. I would also say the Safrina corn crop still looks awfully good down in Brazil. Now, maybe a little bit better rain that Paige is going to talk to you about here, but still not completely clear on whether the uh, rainy season is starting to Eater out on us a little bit earlier or not. <clears throat> um, corn planting progress, uh, we are 14% planted. That's still three ticks ahead of the five-year average. Still twice, it was twice what we were at this time last year. So again, no immediate panic at this point when it comes to corn planting progress. It's just, it's kind of when you start looking out the next couple of weeks on the horizon that maybe things get a bit more problematic. Scott, what do you want to take us through here on, uh, on wheat? Well, again, we mentioned that we were down. You see there, we were down uh, over 4% Kansas City, 38 cents. We ended the week at 841 in Kansas City on the nearby. <clears throat> um, Chicago down not as much, same in Minneapolis, about 3% down in those two markets. Um, week conditions, I mentioned 26%, good to excellent. <laughs> that is tied with 1989 for being the worst ever nationally. And that's that's not only 89, but that would be for for what is it the uh, the third week in in April or or maybe the fourth week in April. Anyway, um, but look off to the right there. The soft red winter wheat six is at 67.5 percent, down to uh, 2.3 ticks week over week, and hard red winter wheat six at 17.8. Now it's interesting. I thought that the soft red winter wheat states were down this past week, but the reason that they were down is because they got too much rain versus um, the hard red winter wheat was, you know, down yet again because they haven't gotten any rain yet. I'll I'll put a pin in that and, and Paige is going to talk about that. Um, planting progress for spring wheat at 5%, 12% is average. So we are behind pace Already, remember, we're shooting for about 50% in North Dakota by mid-May. You want the slide for that? There you go. Yeah, so, you know, we're, we're getting close-er, shall we say, um, <clears throat> but, but we'd like to see that go a little bit more. Uh, we're being kind of held up right now by the, the Pacific Northwest, Idaho, and Washington, but we don't plant near as much or, or, or harvest as near as much uh, out in those two states. South Dakota doing a pretty good job at 25%. No, I'm sorry, that's the average, isn't it? Uh, they're only at 4% too. Read the wrong thing. They aren't doing very good, Scott. Yeah, I know. I, that, that's my fault. Um, the last thing I would say is that uh, uh, heading, I think, was at 18%. Um, go back up. Whoop. Yeah, there you go. Heading is at 18%, <laughs> this is 14 on average. Nothing to see here. That's kind of right on uh, right on the mark. Um, again, you look at that that third column, um, 
we've got big numbers where we should and, and really no numbers where we shouldn't yet. Just kind of getting there in Kansas at 3%. So we'll be watching that pretty closely here over the next uh, three to four weeks on heading. All right. Thank you, Scott. As far as the soy complex, you can see not much happened. Uh, beans down a percent, uh, uh, meal down 3%. That was probably one of the bigger uh, losers on the deal. Oil didn't really do anything. Uh, that's kind of the second or third week in a row. We really haven't had much in the way of a move, at least in the context of what we've gotten used to the last couple of years. But uh, at any rate, soy complex didn't move much. Planting progress is good. We're 9% planted at this point. Uh, that's three times what we were a year ago. But again, it, it's still really, really early. Um, what we're hearing out of Argentina, and I probably should have put another bullet on there. You see Cordonier went down another million metric tons. Uh, to 23, just harvest results uh, are just not good. That crop is just, it is just, you know, a lot of times there's some give and take, you know, it looks bad, then they get some rain and it gets better and, or you get into harvest, it's a little better. And there has just been like no good news when it comes to the Argentine soybean crop. It has just been, um, what is it? The beatings will continue until morale improves sort of thing. But And, and hey, the, um, go ahead, Dave. Has there been any, I mean, I've been, trying to kind of find information as I read his wire and, and other wires, but haven't really seen anything. What is this? I mean, I don't do Argentine farmers. They don't really have a crop insurance program like, like we do. Do I mean, how does this impact them? They, you know, they, they kind of get kicked in the teeth here a couple of years in a row on just weather and bad production. And, and I mean, how does that impact things going forward? I got to think that, um, you know, it's not real favorable for them, but. Well, that's a great question, and that goes to maybe that that uh, I, I stuck it in the bullish side here. Um, I'm a little bit surprised that the Argentine farmers have not been a little bit more inclined to sell some of these huge stocks. Remember, the Argentine farmer going into this crappy crop was sitting on almost half a crop of soybeans. Now, that is unheard of when you look at carryover stocks in every other place that produces beans. The reason that the Argentine farmer stores beans is because if he sells his beans and get peso with a near 100% inflation rate, by the time he gets ready to spend that peso on crop inputs or food for his family or anything else he needs, it's worth a lot less. So Argentine farmers' savings, their 401k, if you will, is in the bin. They store soybeans because those soybeans trade in the world market in U.S. dollars. Since they don't have crop insurance, I and many other people believe that we will see some of those beans come to market just because, you know, you, you, if you need the money and you made a half a crop or less than half a crop, you're going to at some point have to dip into your savings to make up the difference because Uncle Sam, your government's not going to do it for you. So I'm a little bit surprised that we haven't seen, maybe it's just because this soy dollar program they're running right now coincides with harvest and farmers have the beans that they're pulling out of the field that they can sell for cash today and that those beans will come out later. But the Argentine farmer has just kind of thumbed his nose so far uh, at this soy dollar program. And again, for those of you who don't listen every week, the soy dollar program in Argentina, the Argentine government to try to encourage farmers to sell these beans, because that's where the Argentine government is, export tax revenue is where the Argentine government gets a lot of their tax revenue, uh, is trying to encourage the farmer to turn loose to some of these. So not going very well. Not going very well. Brazil's the opposite. We're about done with harvest in Brazil, and that crop is, I think Cordonier is at 153, and I'm pretty sure he's kind of low end uh, on the estimate range. And I would wouldn't be surprised if it ends up being 
you know, one or two or three million metric tons, maybe even bigger than that. So, and then when you look at the veg oil space, you've got a couple things going on here. Palm oil continues to be, you know, you talked, Scott, about uh, support uh, 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 news guy at Reuters and all the other publications that has to write something about the Black Sea Grain Initiative every day. Well, I would say the palm oil guy is probably in, in just as dire a suit because there's not always something to written. We try to gin this bullish palm oil story up. Palm oil was up last week, um, but it, it just it's down another almost 2% today just simply because ex demand is not that good. Palm oil market ran itself up to upper nines, close to 1000 bucks, And guess what? India canceled 75,000 tons of palm oil that they had bought from Malaysia and Indonesia and replaced it with soybean oil and sun oil that's cheaper. Palm oil just can't go. Uh, it just can't seem to go its own way here. Um, we did get uh, Reuters ran a trade survey here, and you know we get I spelled Canadian. I was, just, I was just giggling at that. I'm pretty sure there's no <laughs> U in Canadian. Um, the average trade estimate surprised me. Canadian uh, canola seeded area up 1.8 uh, percent. Everything that we had been hearing was maybe a little bit lower than that, kind of flat to up a percent. But uh, maybe that's good news. Um, maybe not. I guess we still got to get the crop in the ground. But is that a stats can number or is that? No, that's just a Reuters. That's, that's that's a Reuters. Okay. Do we know when stats can comes out? You know, I should number? probably look that up. I don't, I've, asked, uh, I've uh, asked that question to some of our Canadian friends, and it, it, I don't think it, it's uh, nearly closely as followed as USDA. <laughs> no, no. I think stats can <laughs> has got enough of a reputation for being off the wall on occasion that I don't think it's uh, uh, quite as quite as closely watched as maybe some USDA data. <clears throat> I promised Scott I wouldn't go sailing past dairy this time. So what do you got for us on the dairy markets? Well, the big news this week is that we got the March uh, milk production report. You know, we get our milk production and our cow herd data on the same report. This uh, Today, actually, we get the cold storage report. So we'll see how that looks. But milk production first, 19.8 billion pounds. That's a half a percent. Uh, higher year over year. That's right in line with what everybody was was expecting. Uh, cow herd 9.435, um, 6,000 head higher month over month, 31 higher than uh, a year ago. And if I remember correctly, I think that's as big as the herd's been since going back to August of 21. So, you know, we're, we're kind of moving in the right direction there. Moving. moving. There you go. Oh, uh, neither one of those, I believe, are, are game changers, you know, market movers. Both of those are kind of seen as pretty neutral. Now, the cold storage numbers today, <clears throat> we're expecting cheese to be up about a percent, butter to be up pretty substantially. That It, it looks smaller when you compare it to the cheese. At only 305 million pounds, but but uh, uh, the the one source that we uh, always go to all the time, they were looking for just under eight uh, percent growth wow. in butter year over year. So we'll see how that looks this afternoon. Uh, pricing, look at that cheese number. We've come all the way down into the 60s. Well, the 160s now. We had a huge week of trade last week. 29 lots of blocks, 85 lots of barrels that when you put those two together that's an all-time combined high for volume plenty of milk to go around uh and those milk supplies continue to grow that tells us that you know maybe we really are starting to get to that uh uh, uh flush you know that spring flush 
Um, didn't really do much for pricing. The Midwest average was still at 750 under class. Um, we did get our global dairy trade numbers uh, that actually went up last week, 5.9%. That are all the way up at $2. So our prices now compared to the German number and the global dairy trade number are well below. We'll see where that takes us on the export side of things. Butter, 16 lots traded. Um, you know, we're back to 240, but it really hasn't gone anywhere since January 1. We're just now kind of back at the top of, of that 20 cent trade range. In fact, Dave, uh, go forward and maybe you can kind of see it in that, uh, yeah, right there. Look at that red line on the bottom right. It's just, it's just sitting there. I mean, it hasn't done a doggone thing. Um, and we're just kind of back up at the top end of that range. Now, the blue line would be last year, and you can see where we came off, you know, those highs, uh, uh, that would be back in uh, August and September, um, you know, way up in the uh, over $3. Um, the elevator, the, S, the elevator down. Exactly. So we just, you know, we, we haven't seen it really come back and hit our pricing yet. We talked a little bit about this last week that, you know, maybe we're seeing uh, – 235, 240. Yeah, I'll go ahead and own that, especially if my budget's, you know, built yeah. off of a yeah. $3 type of a number. Yeah, a lot of budgets set right here. A lot of budgets set right here. So I think that's maybe some of the support we're seeing in Butter. That's a good call out. I know you and Jay have been talking about kind of this, you know, upward price risk if we have this, some this year is the back half of the year. Yep. Kind of looking for our spot during this spring flush. The Butter's just not running away from us, but it's not giving it to us. The cheese market's kind of been coming our direction. Yeah, we're, we're, you can see there on the cheese, we're, we're getting some movement here. The last several weeks, we've, we've been moving in the right direction, and butter just hangs flat. Yep, yep. <clears throat> well, thanks for that, Scott. Uh, let's go ahead and move right into the weather. What do you got for us, Paige? Yeah, so this is a past seven-day precipitation map. Um, I know we're kind of looking at this map week to week to see if really any of those hard red winter wheat areas get any rain. So far on this last seven day map, they have not. Um, the rest of the Corn Belt looks like it's getting some pretty good rains. Um, I know we have talked about North Dakota. That precipitation up there uh, seems to be coming back in the form of snow, which not, Dave not kind of- already, thank you very much. Yeah, not overly helpful um, up there. And on top of that, I'm sure they are just tired of the snow as I would be. But if you want to flip forward one, um, this map has not looked like this in months. When was the last time we had purple in Kansas? Oh gosh. I uh, a year ago. Right. Scott, does that do any good? I mean I mean at what point does, <laughs> oh yeah does rain it, on winter I mean well, I guess if the crop is dead already, or if it didn't come up, yeah, like some of the pictures, you're, you're you know. not helping that at all. If if it's if it's up and out of the ground and 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 you know rolling a little bit, yeah, this will help. This this will absolutely help. But there's going to be places in that you know Panhandle area, southwestern part of Kansas that was abandoned or or never came up, never came out of uh, uh, dormancy. And, 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 you know, that stuff is just cooked. So th those acres aren't going to be helped at all. But if it if it's up and, and, and going, you know, that center part of the state, north central part of, uh, of Oklahoma, yeah, this is absolutely helping. 
So yeah, the fair and good stuff. I mean, obviously the excellent stuff is excellent, but the fair and the good stuff. I think you guys, when we did our crop tour, you and Lynn were explaining that you know it'll send out tillers, it'll put up, it'll put up more. It, it well, you you might be getting late in the game to put out more tillers. Okay. Um, the plant's probably going to put most of its uh, energy now into into the head. Into the head. But you're definitely if if this rain happens and you've got a decent stand of wheat, this rain is adding bushels. Okay, super. Okay. Um, and I think, because I run those maps every day, and I think actually that kind of purple and kind of deeper colors, which means heavier rain, those have actually started shifting even a little bit more west. I know when I first ran this map and I saw these, I sent it out on the team's chat, and we were taking bets that it would kind of move a little bit too far east. Yeah. Um, miss Nobody, it once again. I don't think anybody took, I didn't take the bet. Yeah. No. <laughs> Thank goodness no, Ryan no, lost money. No one took the bet. Um, but yeah, it seems like that front is kind of moving actually a little bit more west and covering up all of those areas. So hopefully, I mean, we'll have to keep an eye on that seven day past precipitation accumulation map, uh, that first map that we look at. We'll have to keep an eye on that one to see kind of what of those rains actually come to fruition. Um, but yeah, that's the best forecast we've seen to Scott's point in months and months and months. As far as the drought severity maps, um, I know I think I pointed out last week that Nebraska is now all the way back in some form of drought across the entire state. Um, obviously, we've talked about those hard red winter wheat areas remain in that extreme drought. Um, Really, and I asked this question before we started this call, I was a little bit surprised that up in North Dakota, we're not seeing um, that kind of pop back into more green, uh, just with all of the precipitation, snow or rain wise. Um, but I think it's worth a call out. Uh, seems like it might still be a little bit too cold up there for that to kind of really soak in and it to be red at this point. Um, but otherwise, as far as the rest of the Corn Belt goes, it looks like we're in pretty good shape. Um, kind of Iowa, Illinois, um, Missouri, they could use maybe a little bit more rain, but they're pretty kind of near normal at this point. And then based on the forecast, it looks like the Corn Belt's going to kind of continue to get some good rain. So I would say we're looking pretty good to kick off planting. I would say the northern regions, we could use Mother Nature to turn off her faucet. Um, and warm the hell up. Yeah, because we're supposed to up here, we're supposed to get rain again. You know, there were some places that a week ago got four, four and a half inches of rain up here. And now we're supposed to get rain again Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I think Sunday this weekend. So, Nate, um, what you know, I always always say for for spring wheat, <clears throat> you want to be 50 percent planted by mid-May uh, in North Dakota. What's the what's the rule of thumb up there in in uh, in Minnesota, North Dakota for corn say, and beans? I would say on, on on corn and beans, I mean, kind of that same thing mid-May. I mean, you start getting down to the end of May, obviously, then you're bumping up against crop insurance dates. And I think if farmers had their way, they'd like to be 50% planted by the first week. But that May 10th, May 15th, if you're not if you're not well on your way, um, it gets to be a little bit concerning. And that's kind of the problem. I was talking to uh, my buddy Dave and, and uh, last week, and he said, I don't think we'll be in the field until probably May 10th. Jeez. Because it's it's so wet and the and the soil temps are so cold at this point, you don't even. I mean, even if it was getting, if it was marginally dry, you're not going to want to venture out. Uh, there was a farmer 
that was mentioned that he has like 3,500 acres of corn in the ground already. Um, but you don't want to be that guy right now because, I mean, like I think Dave, you mentioned on one of our calls we had yesterday, you plant your corn this early um, if it's wet and cold like this, and you run the risk of that just kind of not germinating or starting to rot, and then yep. and not emerging, and then now you have to go back and replant. So. You got to go back and put it back in the ground. Yeah, I think when we uh, did that presentation for a customer yesterday, the other thing I think to call out nationally, the the average date in the last five years for hitting the 50% planted mark on corn was the 10th of May and the 21st of May for about for that that 50% mark on beans. Nationally. Nationally. And that's a five-year average? <clears throat> that's a five-year average. Yeah. And I think we're the point. Was those I think we can what plant half the crop in about a day and a half now with the size of the equipment and as fast as guys go. I think the record for corn planting in a single week is 44%. But that's yeah. all the way back to like in 14. Yeah. And we're going we're gonna to have to get some of that blue to go away. <laughs> yep, yep. Right. So that was going to be my call out on these maps. Uh, we kind of talked about it earlier based on uh, the soil moisture temperatures or not the soil moisture, the soil temperatures. Um, a lot of those northern states kind of cooled back off. I know we were a little bit cool here again last week. I think our soil temperatures are still all right, but it's really those kind of northern plains that are getting a little bit too cold again. And this temperature forecast does not not look overly conducive for that. I do wonder, though, in kind of the rest of the Corn Belt, kind of those southern planting states that have decent soil temperature, it probably doesn't overly matter that it's going to be a little bit cooler than average the next couple of weeks, does it? No, but I tell you what, you see that that six to 10 day temperature map that is right dead center over the biggest soybean producing part of yeah. the U.S. The, the Those, you know, those Eastern, two darkest shade of corn belt. Yeah. Uh, th that's not good. That'll slow things up. And especially with the moisture that you called out, uh, Paige, you know, I talked about moisture that'll keep farmers out of the field for a day or two. That moisture that would keep farmers out of the field for a day or two at 70 degrees will keep farmers out of the field for four or five days at 50 yeah. or below. And that's kind of where some of those, especially the uh, some of the northern parts, northern Iowa, Minnesota, uh, they just they needed to warm the heck up. Yeah. So this is, I would say, potentially an emerging problem here if Mother Nature didn't knock it off. Okay, I think that might be all I had for U.S. weather. Uh, we will start talking about Canadian weather a little bit more normally. Um, it's probably still a little bit too early to start talking about that, but um, we can kind of set the stage a little bit going forward. Um, it seems like there's still some areas of a bit of dryness up there. Again, they're not doing a whole lot up there at this point, so not uh, overly concerning at this point. <coughs> And it seems like the situation is improving. Um, they've been getting some more precipitation, uh, kind of the same boat as North Dakota. A lot of that is still snow. Um, and so there is still snow up there on the ground. So kind of as we see them warm up, we should see some of that melt and hopefully go back into the ground there. So you think some of this, page, some of this moisture that we've gotten in the last 30 days, a lot of that's in the last week, mm -hmm. uh, ends up turning into soil moisture when it melts? It helps this year. Mm -hmm. That'd be good. That would be helpful. Well, yeah. What's it looking uh, like down south? Uh, south America is actually looking a little bit better in the seven and 14 day forecast. I know last week and I think even maybe the week before 
Um, we had kind of seen central and eastern Brazil rains not shut off, but definitely not as heavy and widespread as we have been seeing. Um, when we pulled up these maps to put in the deck yesterday, these are looking um, significantly better. There's a lot more rain. Um, not a lot of rain, but it, this forecast has kind of been green and blue for the better part of the last few months. Um, so it seems like those rains are moving back in. Uh, I know the question the last couple weeks was, uh, is this mean the rainy season is shutting off a little bit early, which I know would be worrisome for the safrina crop. But based on these week's forecast, it's not looking too bad again. All right. And, and Dave, for, for folks that you know, we've been kind of talking about this safrina corn crop, when does that harvest start? So in other words, when, when when are we past the window of we don't care about rain anymore in South America and harvest is kind of rolling? Well, remember we got this crop planted a little bit late, so we would like the rainy season to, to, to also end uh, towards the end of normal or even better, a little bit late. Um, you know, really this map here, this 14 day map gets us out to the 8th of May. You know, you get another week or two of, of rain after that and you're pretty good. We'll, we'll really start harvesting some of the early planted stuff uh, when the calendar rolls over to June. Uh, some of the later planted stuff will be obviously much later in June. But uh, yeah, if we could get another if we get another week or two of rain uh, down there, I mean, another week or two after this two weeks that we're already showing you, uh, we'll feel pretty good about that crop. So. And I think that's what we have for you this week, folks. Uh, we always appreciate you listening. Uh, as always, if you have any questions for us, we would love to hear from you. Or if any comments about how we could make this call better, uh, we would love to hear from you. And as always, be careful out there. <laughs>